Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, ACB. It's morning somewhere. If you haven't received your food yet, it's because I ate it. No, that's not true. You're, cu- you're going to be getting it shortly. We actually uh, have a real special treat for you. We are uh, making a call right now to Vladimir Putin. And uh, <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> and here's Vlad now. No, uh, we're going to have a special guest who we will introduce shortly. It sounds like we might be hearing this connection since it's being piped through. It's the wonders of technology. Uh, either we're all set or they hung up on us, one or the other. Vladimir was not really expecting our call. We just thought perhaps it might be. We were right. In any case, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to have a, a special guest joining uh, us. A little bit. Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead, Mark. Uh, Joel, is that you? Hello? Hello, hello? Joel, Mark's asking if, uh, if you're there. I don't know if, if, I don't know if he I'm is here. there yet. Hi, Mark. How are you? There he is. Ladies and gentlemen, what we have on the phone with us is Joel Moffat. Joel is the Accessibility Customer Service Experience Head Chief, the person you want to know at Comcast. If you have questions, comments, whatever, Joel, you're getting, I mean, you, uh, people are on the tables. They are waving their napkins in the air. They are so excited to, that you've joined us. That's just a little audio description for you. That was great. Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you very much. We, uh, Joel, what we're going to do is uh, chit-chat a little bit here, and then I'm going to turn it over to you, who uh, are going to set us up for our special guests. So just hang on with us. Uh, we're That's we're running right. just a tiny little mite bit behind. Well, and Joel would have been here this morning, but he had one of those adventures in, in uh, aviation land that some of you may have had, um, and he was flying, supposed to be flying, here and somehow he ended. They took they took a left when they should have taken a right, and he ended up last night late, late, late in Austin, Texas. So I'm sure he might share that little story with us as as he speaks. But <laughs> well, very good. Well, before we turn to him, I just I, I I want to share two stories with you. The first story is this, and, and this I call this story. This is how you know you're middle aged. Okay. So I just, I just had a birthday just a couple days ago, and the crowd goes wild. No, 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 stop that, stop that, stop that, stop that. I, uh, I, I, I turned 27 on June 48th. June, 20, uh, June 48th, that's part of the secret Mayan calendar you don't know anything about. But in any case, this is how you know you're middle-aged. So I've been having a lot of trouble with my right wrist. I think it has a lot to do with all the glad-handing on Capitol Hill that Tony and I have been trying to do. Either that or it's the constant putting my hand to my brow in despair, one or the other. Uh, but in any case, so I've, I've had a lot of trouble with my right wrist. It's really been hurting. And I thought, well, I'm going to this ACB convention. I really need to make sure it's feeling better. So I specifically planned a visit to an orthopedist to get a cortisone shot. And, of course, 
I wanted to make sure that I didn't miss any work that day, right? Because if you're younger, what you, want, you want to find a way to get the heck out of work, right? No, when you're a policy hack and a nerd, you want to make sure that you don't miss any work. So this is how you know you're middle-aged. When you plan a doctor's appointment and you know you're going to get one hell of an injection and you're looking forward to it, that's how you know that you've reached middle age, ladies and gentlemen. If you are still afraid to go to the doctor, you need to grow up, okay? I'm just telling you. The second story I'll tell you is this. This story is called How Mark's Brain Really Works, okay? So, in case you didn't think you knew already. So, I was at the auction this past week, and, and some of you already know this story, it would appear. I was at the auction earlier this week, and uh, wow, I really I, I wanted to bid on that Las Vegas uh, trip. And boy, I was so excited when I won it, and won it for a great price. Couldn't tell you how much I paid for it. It's been so long ago uh, now. Uh, <laughs> but in any case, so I was so excited that I won that trip. So then I thought, okay, great. Well, I'm on a roll now. I'm going to win that next thing. And I, what I really wanted was that tangerine fire tablet. So I said, oh, yeah, I'm going to start bidding for that. And I said, well, right, after, immediately after the Vegas trip, I know that tangerine fire tablet's coming up, so I'm going to start bidding on that sucker. Right? Well, the guy comes by with the receipt for the Vegas trip. And, oh, this is exciting. Put it there. And I won. <laughs> I never win anything. <laughs> so anyway, so I'm bidding on it, bidding on it. They say sold to the guy. Yep, very good. Now, the guy comes by with the receipt for what I thought was the tangerine tablet. He brings it by, the announcer comes on and says, now we're going to be talking about a wonderful fire, tangerine fire tablet. Well, can I just tell you, I wish that we had maybe Joel Snyder or an audio describer tell you what my facial expression was like. So I'm sitting there going, what do you mean, that they have two of them? Is that possible? So then, of course, I think to myself, my God, what did I buy? I go looking at the program, at the item after the, the Vegas trip, <laughs> and it's the, it's the LSU crocheted lap blanket, of which I believe I spent $225. And throughout the week, people have been coming up to me saying, especially Southern women, I don't know what it is, they're very nice, they're, you're just so sweet for buying that. <laughs> Somebody really labored hard on that. That's really nice that you did that. And, of course, what am I going to say? Well, well, that's how my mother raised me. I mean, I... But now, okay, so that's it. So, so clearly, I was dozy during the auction, right? You get that. Yep, yep, yep. Because I was so excited about the Vegas trip. But now, here's the punchline. This is how Mark's brain works. I screw that whole thing up, spend money on something that I don't particularly want, though, of course, it's very nice, and then I spend an entire week, every day in general session, in an icebox, <laughs> saying to myself, God, I wish I brought a sweater in here. Where's a, God, does you, do you have a blanket? Is there somebody who... The blanket staying nice at home in the room. That's how Mark's brain works. Makes no sense, but Mark. it is how the good Lord made me. Mark. With, y yes, dear. So, you weren't alone at the auction. I, I came in, and after my quite 
exceptional reading performance as a describer at the auction. Um, at those of you who were there will uh, certainly remember. <laughs> I went back to my chair and my friend said, oh, I really want that, that necklace, that agate necklace. Will you bid on it? I didn't get a bidder number. And so I said, sure. 50, 75, 80, 90, sold. It was a fragrance warmer, and I thought it was an agate bracelet. <laughs> so you and I obviously were on the same channel, or, or the wrong channel, because um, there's, a, there's a fragrance warmer in my luggage now. I'll, I have I'll, no I'll, idea. Would you like one? I'll trade you a blanket for a fragrance warmer. Uh, <laughs> Neither of which are at all useful to... Well, in any case, right. it's, a, it's a lovely blanket. And whoever made it, God bless you. You did really good work. I just really didn't want to spend $225. And by the way, the Tangerine Fire Tablet, it's in, it's in my cart and my Amazon app waiting to be bought. Because waiting for Prime Day, baby. Waiting for Prime Day. Because that's how we roll. With that, Joel, Joel, sir, are you still there, my friend? I sure am. I'm enjoying myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you have it. Uh, I, I, in any case, sir, I guess our plan, sir, in case uh, we'll just compare notes while the whole wide world is listening, not only here in the room, but on ACB Radio. Uh, Joel, what I'm going to do is turn it over to you, sir, and uh, welcome whatever remarks you may have for us. And then uh, I believe you will be introducing uh, Diane Johnson, uh, who then will be introducing our keynote presenter for the evening. Uh, so with that, Joel, uh, the podium, the proverbial podium is yours. Let's welcome in one more time Joel Moffat, Comcast. Joel, it's now all about you. All right. Thank you, everybody. Hey, it's really, really great to be here especially after all that traveling, right? And by be there, I mean not be there, which I do deeply regret. Um, it's always great to, to come and experience the ACB conference, especially uh, with ACB being such a great partner in the work that we do. Um, so just to, to back it up for a second, uh, my name, of course, is Joel Moffat. I'm the customer experience lead for the Comcast accessibility team. Uh, we're part of technology and product at Comcast. Um, and... Really, uh, my role in the work that we do is to work with ACB and work with others to really drive innovation in our product because as we develop and innovate on our Xfinity product line, our set-top boxes, high-speed data, um, all the things you, you've come to probably know and love, uh, home security, home control, our web and mobile apps, and uh, all the accessibility that we're building into those things, um, the perspective of our customers is really key in that development process. So working with ACB is really crucial to everything that we do. So I just want to give a shout-out to all of you. Thank you for your support in the work that we do and let you all know uh, how much of an honor it is really for us to continue supporting the, uh, the conference and convention each year. So uh, let's give all of you a hand just for, for being here and being part of what we do. So uh, my role, as I mentioned, is customer experience, so liaising with all types of communities, all types of people with disabilities to get that perspective 
And looking at our video entertainment platform, our X1 operating system, we have any X1 users there today? All right, X1 upstaging me once again. That's all well and good, of course. So when we think of the accessibility of our video products, we look at uh, the hardware, the software, the operating system, of course, and then, of course, those things are getting you at the content that you want to check out, right? So to delve a little bit into that, you, of course, you're probably all you X1 users that I just heard from are familiar now with our voice remote and the growing list of voice commands that you can get get you to the things you know and love and help you discover more things to watch. Um, we're probably all excited to see more voice commands around accessibility. So a couple of things I can let you know about there are um, the voice guidance that you know and love is now accessible with a voice command. So all you've got to do is just say voice guidance to bring up that dialog to turn it off or on. So ease of access to those accessibility features to help you get to the content more quickly. Uh, another one we've got um, that some of you have probably been waiting anxiously for is the video description voice command. So now if I just say video description, it's going to turn video description off or on right on the spot for you. Yeah, that's, that's a nice feature. So you, instead of delving into the menus, even with the help of voice guidance, our talking guide on X1, uh, you can just get there even more quickly now. Now, speaking of voice guidance, looking into that, we've got a couple of things coming around the corner for you. Um, first thing I can tell you about is speech rate. I think I, you've all probably been waiting for that. And uh, we've had some advancements now that's going to allow us to be able to deliver speech rate very soon. So you'll be able to choose from a couple of different uh, modes of speech rate to, to quicken the pace for those of you who are uh, veteran screen reader users. Does that sound pretty good? Excellent, excellent. And, um, you know, we hear a lot from ACB, from other members of the community, and we hear a lot from our customers who call into us through our Accessibility Customer Support Center, which you can reach at 855-270-0379. And you can always find that information at xfinity.com slash accessibility. We've got a dedicated team of agents uh, who are there to take your calls if you have any issues with voice guidance, video description, and so on. And, you know, when you do have to make that call, you can always provide some suggestions as well. We listen very carefully to our agents and make sure that they're tied back to our product team pretty closely so we can drive innovations into the product that our customers are really looking for. So, um, again, on if we look at, into the software, uh, another thing that people might be looking for is Netflix accessibility. Of course, we've rolled out Netflix on X1 uh, in the past couple months here, which has been going great. I know people would love to see voice guidance compatible with Netflix, and all I can say there is stay tuned. It's not going to be much longer. Uh, so hang in there for that, and that will enable you to not only get at everything you know and love on X1 through your subscription to Xfinity, but also through your Netflix subscription as well with the help of voice guidance. Now, I have people ask me sometimes about finding the remote. Can I have a remote that's easy to find? Can I have a remote that's going to tell me what buttons I'm going to press? The good news is we've got the Xfinity TV remote app. You can fire that up uh, on iOS or Android and turn on VoiceOver or TalkBack and get the, the buttons of the remote announced before you press them. And your remote is essentially then in your pocket. I think we pretty much all carry our smartphones in our pockets these days. 
So when the remote goes down between the cushions, fear not. Um, you can go ahead and grab your smartphone and open up the app and change the channel that way. And you can even mess with your friends and family back at home when you're on the road like I was yesterday. I could have popped the app open and changed the channel on my wife's TV at home if I wanted to. <laughs> A little bonus for you there. So that kind of brings me to the content. So those are some of the things that are going to help you get to the content you want and enable the accessibility features on the content you want. Um, what was really exciting for us in 2016 was um, some more video described content. So partnering with the other side of our house, which is NBC, um, to bring you described content uh, with the Rio Olympics. So bringing the pageantry to life, the athleticism to life. So yeah, you can applaud. That's okay. So that project for our team was a really great thing to be a part of, to see that event finally come to life with video description, really artfully described by the describers who did the work, uh, we'll introduce in just a moment. But um, to continue bringing more content like that. Uh, in the past, you know, last year you might have seen Hairspray Live as well with video description. And prior to that we had the Wiz Live. So working with NBC to bring you more content like that uh, is something we're very interested in. And um, Rio, in particular, was really just a great moment. So uh, I just want to put a thank you out there to the talent uh, who brought Rio to life for blind audiences by artfully describing NBC's Olympics primetime live coverage of the 2016 Games. So it's really my honor and my pleasure to introduce the president and CEO of Descriptive Video Works in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, Van Johnson. Thank you very much, Joel. It's uh, nice to hear your voice, even though we can't see you. We'll have to have somebody describe you, I think. <laughs> it's an absolute thrill to be here tonight. I feel so honored that Norma and I have been invited here. I've been to a number of uh, your conferences, and I always enjoy them, and I really enjoy meeting all of the people. And we had some fun with focus groups today with you. And uh, today I think you're going to enjoy Norma's information about the Olympics. And uh, when I started the company 14 years ago, Descriptive Video Works, we always said, gee, you'd never be able to do live description because we thought it's just going to be too complicated, too hard to do. And I was challenged by a Canadian broadcaster to try it. And I love challenges, so I said, okay, we'll try it. And here we are, you know, eight years later doing the Olympics and a number of other broadcasts. You know, we did uh, The Wiz as well and Hairspray, which is wonderful. And when Tom contacted me from Comcast and said, you know, would you like to do the Olympics? I thought, we've done them in Canada. Why not do them here? So NBC and Comcast invited us to do this. And today I've been talking to a number of you and it's been really wonderful to hear that you've enjoyed it as much as you have. And without further ado, I'm going to introduce you to Norma. Norma has, uh, she and I actually worked together in television many, many years ago. And who would have ever thought that today we'd be here doing what we're doing? And we're both absolutely thrilled about that. Norma has an incredible passion for sports. She's an instructor at the College of Sports Media. She was a producer and reporter for the Toronto Raptors, Vancouver Canucks. She did the NBA playoffs. 
She's passionate about sports, and she's so passionate about audio description. And that's the best introduction I can have. To me, it's about the passion and the love for it. So I now introduce you to Norma Jean Wick. Thank you, Diane, and thank you, everyone, for your gracious feedback and uh, enthusiasm for what we're doing. It means the world to us as uh, describers, because really, in the only thing that we want is actually to enhance your experience. And, you know, I have to admit, the first couple of days of the Olympics, it is, Joel described it as a rich pageant, and it's true. It's a rich pageant of culture and color and competition and camaraderie. And it's kind of dizzying because when you do live, you never know what's coming. And uh, our job is to find those spaces in between to give you description that will enhance your experience. It's kind of like a couple of chickens trying to cross a highway. You know, we're just dodging music and announcers. You know, we don't want to step on the experience, but at times, um, you know, we're really anxious to bring you more information that they assume that you can see. So, you know, Jim and I someday, at the end of the day, we go, well, we talk too much. We really talk too much that day. So, so um, the, the good news that was heartening for us is one that it actually did make a difference for some people and also the knowledge that with everything that we do, we get better. And that is our goal, to be better for you. Um, it's the only reason we do it. And uh, fortunately, we're the persnickety, detail-oriented type of people that kind of like that sort of thing. Actually, I was a little nervous to come up here. It's been years. Diane and I met when I was a news anchor uh, at Global in Vancouver, B.C. And um, I am not used to speaking in front of actually a big audience. So I took Mark Reichert's advice, and I had a little milk. <clears throat> Was it 2% or whole? It was whole. Well done, Matt. I've actually been a little bit under the table, but mostly to pet Dolly, Kim's companion. Um, And actually, one of the things that I was really touched by when I came into this environment just yesterday um, was our furry little friends, who I'm sure have had a long and difficult week, and I think they all deserve a heartfelt round of applause. So just quickly, I'll try not to be too long. I've taken notes. Also, just to note, I am a crier. Um, It may be because of the milk. I don't know. But I tend to get a little emotional, so I will try to keep myself uh, in line. You know, all things being fair, since I describe everything else, I should describe myself. I'd like to describe myself as a young, perky, blonde woman. That would be a... Total lie. <laughs> yes, actually, it's more describes Diane. Actually, <laughs> so um, I'm actually a little taller. I'm a brunette, and though I'm really passionate, enthusiastic, Perky might have left the building a little while ago, but that's okay. Uh, you know, uh, Diane mentioned I have had a long and winding career. Um, I actually started in criminal law. Um, I wanted. Well, I wanted to. Yeah, Mark. Really, I wanted to be a criminal lawyer, but being the kind of person that really values practical experience, I went to college 
and took legal assisting and um, decided the only thing that was actually interesting was criminal law. So I ended up working for the Canadian equivalent of the DA's office, which would be the Attorney General. So, um, And then I decided I want more courtroom experience, so I actually became a court reporter. So it was actually there that I learned to listen. Um, it's funny how all our experiences in life are like little lily pads that you bounce one to the other, but they lead you somewhere. And um, I'm really happy that it's led me here. Um, the whole problem with criminal proceedings, though, is that it's wholly negative. And uh, my escape from the bad things I heard was sports. Nothing bad happens there. It's relaxing. It's um, there's there's and I was I was athletic growing up. There was. A few, not even a few sports that I didn't do, including throwing a javelin, which when you have a strong but wild arm is kind of a risky venture, <laughs> hucking an eight-foot spear into the air. Um, but I swam competitively, volleyball, basketball, curling, because I'm Canadian. Um, and uh, at the time, though, realizing that maybe I had picked the wrong career, I came across a quote by Chief Justice Earl Warren, who said... When I want to read about men's accomplishments, I turn to the sports pages because the front pages are full of nothing but men's failures. So I decided to turn my love of sports into a career, and I pursued sports broadcasting. But at the time, this was in the 80s, women were not particularly welcome in sports, and I found myself struggling to get consistent opportunities. So I took a job in news where I met Diane, and found myself starting from the bottom and eventually becoming a reporter and anchor. But unfortunately, my knowledge of criminal law led me to covering some very upsetting and traumatic stories, so back to square one. Um, But I was fortunate in that when I wanted out, we got an NBA franchise, and I ended up working for the Grizzlies and then the Canucks, et cetera, et cetera. And as Diane mentioned, I've been teaching at a school where I met my colleague Jim Van Horn, and that was the other voice you would have heard covering the Rio Olympics and together... Uh, We've done a variety of sports, but really the crowning glory for us was getting to do the Olympics because, as Joel mentioned, it is a rich pageant, and it lends itself so beautifully to description. And it was interesting because NBC executed it beautifully, but if you don't know, we don't get to go to Rio. Um, We end up, I know, so sad, we end up in a little booth that's covered with foam, It's about the size of a phone booth, but double that because there were two of us. And actually, in Stamford, Connecticut, where NBC is located, there are literally trailers of these little booths that people sit in, and they do the voiceovers for a lot of these sports from there. So, um, but NBC Sports, it is very glamorous, yes. Actually, I always imagined I'd end up in a padded room, so there you go. So NBC was a dream to work with. They're professional, exceptionally skilled, and they're all about team. And they bent over backwards to create an environment with which we could do our work, even if they didn't really understand, what is this about? How is this going to work? And it was really heartening for Jim and I uh, to come out of the booth after the first night and have the audio engineers that monitored all the booths look at us and go, we get it. We really get it now. And frankly, the more people that get it, the better it is for all of us. Yes. So 
about Rio, for those of you that didn't uh, get a chance to watch the coverage, and, you know, again, I appreciate how kind people have been, but like I said, Jim and I, really every day we just wanted to get better, and I think we did. So um, hopefully if we ever get the chance again, it will be even more exciting. And I work for a company, Diane Descriptive Video Works, that we work very, very hard. We vet each other. We uh, take workshops. We um, really, there's a lot of discussion about, you know, well, how do you say this? Because as Joel Snyder, who is a member of ACB and, and a Yes, thank you. Yeah. Author is up. You know, making the visual verbal. And it's not an easy thing, especially when you have no idea what's coming. Um, so let me just describe Rio for you from back to front and back again. On the summit of a 2,300-foot Corcovado mountain stands a concrete statue, 98 feet tall, made of concrete. It's of Christ with his arms outstretched, overlooking the city of Rio. Beyond that on the horizon is the cool blue Atlantic Ocean. In the harbor, granite and quartz peaks jut out of the ocean. Two mountains are joined at their peaks by a glass-walled cable car that climbs to the summit of Sugarloaf Mountain, the taller of the two. The 1,300-foot granite monolith rises from the ocean. So, And this is an aside, but imagine a blue whale, which is the largest mammal known to mankind, about the length of three double-decker buses, times that by 15, and imagine it sticking straight out of the ocean. And that would be the size and shape of Sugarloaf Mountain. The Scallop coastline forms a series of crescent-shaped beaches. The Copacabana is two and a half miles long, featuring white sand and bright, barely there, bikinis and speedos. I, I mentioned the beach is crescent-shaped, but you'll see plenty of full moons on the beach. As a, Yes. An ample butt is a coveted feature of Brazilian culture. Yes. But they're tanned and quite impressive, thanks to the fact that Brazil is the plastic surgery capital of the world, and butt implants are number one. So they're always perky. They're always perky. <laughs> So continuing on, there's a promenade that borders the beach. It's another place to strut your stuff or enjoy whatever view you find most awe-inspiring. Then roadways, then high-rises that line the waterfront that give way to neighborhoods. And right in the middle, one of the largest urban parks in the world, Floresta de Tijuca, which is 12 square miles of rainforest, including a lagoon. This is in the middle of the city. It's a mountainous region that continues up the hills, and on those hills, the famous favelas or slums, multi-level shanties and bright colors, densely packed all up the hillside. And though their life is difficult there, they have the most outstanding view. It's a mountainous region, and so behind that, going back to the front to back and back again, is Mount Corcovado with the Statue of Christ, arms outstretched overlooking the city. So I've been talking about City Rio for at least a couple of minutes, but all of that can be seen in a single snapshot. So as an audio describer, our challenge is to look at that snapshot and decide what, how, and hope to God that nobody's going to start talking. You know, it's finding those spaces, but ways to, con- to convey the depth and the breadth 
and the color of those spectacular images. And, you know, as I said, that's just the opening shot. For every second of every broadcast, a live describer is faced with hundreds of decisions. Is there time and space to add a description? Is the information or images on the screen more important what the announcer might be saying? What part of this image do I describe? And for the record, you know, again, you look at something and there is something that jumps out at you, something that particularly stands out on a landscape or in a person's movement or in their emotion. Every picture has a story. So it's like finding the story in that picture, but also trying to stay the heck out of the way of the people who are conducting their business, describing to you the competition, the color. Um, But we're always, it's so hard, we have to bite our tongue sometimes because there is so much. And hopefully we'll obviously work to get better and better at squeezing those things in just to enhance your experience, not to clutter it. Because that's the other thing. We want you to enjoy the music, the sounds, the sound effects, the announcers. So we're trying not to clutter the whole experience for you. So... In the case of graphics and information on the screen, we have to guess. Are the announcers going to read it or assume that the audience can see it? And if they do read it, what part are they going to read? What part do we jump in? And sometimes there's a five-second delay, so they're saying nothing. So we kind of have to guess what they might talk about. You know, like we do baseball games, and somebody will be at the plate, and they've already had two strikes on them, so we'll just say who the batter is and what their stats are. And then eventually the announcer will go, that's Jose Batista at bat, averaging 280 over the season. We're like, oh, just set that. So it's not a perfect science, but we, we do the best we can do. Um, it is a pageant of culture. The Olympics lends itself so beautifully to description because it really is about stories. Um, it was difficult. It, it was easy, actually, to describe it in many ways. It's about humanity and human achievement. It lends itself beautifully to description. It's inspirational and should be shared with and by everybody. So I am so glad that we have the opportunity to allow you to experience it in more depth and more detail. Thank you to Comcast, NBC, and Diane at Descriptive Video Works. They brought that all to life. So... And, and speaking of culture, there is a lot of international flavor, but we seldom describe a person's culture or ethnicity because human achievement is human achievement regardless of the wrapping paper. And I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but there are exceptions, um, just as the case with movies, televisions. You know, we don't describe someone's ethnicity or race unless it's germane to the plot. And sometimes it is relevant. In 1936, when an African-American from Alabama named Jesse Owens won four gold medals at the Berlin Olympics, often crossing the finish line in front of one Adolf Hitler, it was remarkable and probably a little uncomfortable for the Fuhrer. Um, However, though the media didn't capture it, Owens reportedly had a picture of Hitler shaking his hand and congratulating him that he carried around in his wallet. And he called it one of the most beautiful moments of his life. And that's what I love about the Olympics is there are a lot of beautiful moments. Uh, In 2016, a young Brazilian wrestler named Rafaela Silva uh, provided one of those moments. The 24-year-old judoka, she grew up in the violence-plagued slums of the favelas, weirdly called this particular favela is famous. It's called the City of God. Um, 
but she spent uh, the first eight years of her life fighting boys and getting expelled from school. So her parents put her in judo to develop her skills. She obviously had skills. And they wanted to give her and her sister some direction and discipline. Um, She got good, really good, and ended up at the 2012 Olympics in London, where unfortunately she was disqualified for an illegal arm hold. But that wasn't the worst of her story. After that, she was subjected to all kinds of hateful comments on social media. Uh, She was ostracized, criticized. They called her a monkey. Uh, They said terrible things. Um, So she got very discouraged and felt alienated and isolated, wanted to quit judo. But because she was a fighter and because she had people supporting her, she soldiered on. And let me tell you what kind of moment it was when that woman in front of some of the very people who mocked her, won gold. In, uh, yeah. So it's, it's those kind of moments, those stories that are worth telling. We all need inspiration. We all need to know that regardless of where we're born, where we come from, where our start in life, we're all capable of great things. And sometimes a great thing is just being a well-adjusted, loving human being. And I have to say that when I came here, one of the things that touched me um, was the fact that, and I'm sure you don't even think about it, but was all these caravans of humans with their arms on each other's shoulder. And I thought, you're lucky to realize that in that touch, you're recognizing that you need somebody else. Sighted people forget that. And I think it's a wonderful example that we all need each other, every one of us, and that we all have something to bring to the table. So it was very lovely to see. Um, In the Olympics, size does matter. Um, Yes, yes, Mark's happy. He's chugging on that one. Um, But, for example, I'll say gymnastics. Uh, Yes, I understand Leslie is a fan. Um, Yes, which is really heartening for me because I spent a lot of time learning it because, again, as sighted people, we take uh, for granted so much of what we see in a snapshot that we forget to actually look at it and see its dimensions and the qualities that make it what it is. So a balance beam is a piece of uh, wood. It's 16 feet long, 4 feet high, and, and um, about 3.9 inches wide. And on that, little pixies, some of them who barely come up to the height of the beam itself, because gymnasts tend to be very tiny. They're like five feet and under. The average size of gold medalists over the last 20 years is five feet tall for the, for the women. And balance beam is a woman-only event. But these, it's incredible what they do in those three inches of space the acrobatics, the leaps, the splits, the back handsprings. They can lay flat and raise their hips and legs off the ground and bend their legs so that they're parallel over their heads and parallel to the bar. I mean, I can't sit cross-legged, so it just (laughs) stymies me. Um, But things like they'll do a salto. So a lot of people use the vernacular, the, the announcers, she did a salto. Well, what the heck is a salto? It's a somersault. So it's nice to be able to provide those details, and in doing that, I've learned a lot as well. Um, So I would like to thank you for changing my perspective. Although I've always considered myself to be an observant person with a lot of attention to detail, I've learned that by and large, sighted people tend to see, but they don't really look. 
they hear, but they don't really listen. Um, in order to describe something, you must be able to articulate its qualities. And that means not to just see it, but to really look at it, examine it, study it, then find the words to illustrate it. And it actually connects you to the world in a much more intimate way. And I find that doing this job has done that for me, and I am grateful to you for that new way of looking at something, like really looking. And sometimes I think it must be interesting to be unencumbered by sight, to really see, because to really see something isn't about having open eyes it's as much as it's having an open mind and an open heart. And uh, it's not how you literally see it. You have to appreciate its qualities. So, you know, and unfortunately we live in a society that's increasingly enamored with the way things appear. But those snapshots that we take with our eyes are fleeting and in many ways disconnect us from actually experiencing our environment. I was at a Blue Jays game with a bunch of colleagues, and we had been given the box. We did the, para, the Pan Ams and Parapan Am games. We got to sit in a box, which is prime seating, in a, and we're on the third baseline. And I'm looking at a bunch of my peers who are Snapchatting through the whole thing. And as like, you didn't even look at the field. You didn't smell the popcorn or the hot dogs. You didn't listen to the announcers. You didn't feel the crowd. I'm thinking, really, sometimes having sight allows you to disengage. And I don't think that's a good thing. So um, for me, I hope that we as describers can fill out those dimensions for you, the size, the shape, the context, how it moves, how it behaves, and how it interacts. The way athletes carry themselves. You know, some have an easy air of confidence. Others are intensely focused, like eye of the tagger. Others look heavenward having a moment with someone or something that inspires them. Others clutch talismans around their neck. Our enemy as describers is time, finding it, utilizing it, but knowing when not to. Music, sounds, announcers, it's a delicate dance. But at the end of the day, know that in the midst of the hundreds of decisions that we're making in every broadcast, the criterion is always, will this make it better for our audience? So know that we're working hard to do that and that we're always looking to improve. And in that manner, you know, your feedback is really important to us. So please, after I'm finished speaking, which I promise you will be very soon, uh, you know, when we have some moments after, I would love to hear feedback. I would love to know how you feel, what works, um, and what you want to hear, what you want to know. It's helpful to to us. So... um, I want to thank you for the privilege of working to that end on your behalf. It means a lot. So speaking of ends, I'll stop here. Um, I know you may have some questions, so you're welcome to have some questions um, or give some feedback. And I'm going to bring Diane Johnson up to help me with that. And she also has a a special announcement uh, about going forward. So come on up, Diane. Actually, I have to admit, too, after a half a glass of milk, I actually blew the state secret that she's about to tell you. But thank you very much for Please people. Back, I yes, back right, right. Yeah, there have, you go. have the other half of the milk, and then we'll really ask questions. All right. Thank you, Norma. That was great. And we really do open the floor to any 
questions that you might have or any comments. I don't know, sort of timing-wise. I know, Kim, you have a better idea of that. But one of the things that I'm absolutely thrilled to announce today on behalf of Comcast and NBC and Descriptive Video Works is that 2018 are going to be described. The 2018 Olympics. It's something that we've held back from telling you. And, uh, and so I phoned them and I said, is it okay if I announce it? I think we've got a captive audience here. And um, thanks to Comcast and NBC, we're going to be doing the same thing. And Norma and Jim, our wonderful announcers, will be doing it again. So, uh, yeah. Let's, um, yes, I have a mic. So if we could have a runner. We'll take three or four questions, all right? Stand up. I have a question. Stand up. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to head tables. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I get the mic. Oh. Oh, my God. oh gosh. Uh, hi, this is Dan Spoon. Uh, my, and my question is, what was interesting to me with the Olympics was, take your example of, of the balance beam. What the regular traditional announcers will say is, Oh, that's going to be a 0.6 deduction. Oh, that really hurts her chances. But what they don't say is actually what happened, that she slipped or fell or turned. And so I really appreciated at times that you all actually talked over the announcers. And I know that's traditionally not what you want to hear, but it really was beneficial, and I wanted to share that with you. I really appreciate that. And sometimes, like I said, you know, we, we would talk over people. And sometimes we get caught off guard. They had um, a replay of a, a relay race, and they thought that the runner had been disqualified because they, uh, the baton exchange was off. So they show a replay. And so I'm focusing on what they said happened, and I'm looking at the baton toss. But then I noticed he stepped on the line. So I said, so they're just exchanging the baton, and it has, oh, he stepped on the line. Like, <laughs> sort of blurted it out. So sometimes we're surprised prize too so you know you're getting it in real time for sure yeah well norma this is penny verity from memphis tennessee and i just want to say it was the most wonderful experience and most i can't begin to tell you because i love listening to the gymnastics and all and my friends thought i was crazy because i can't see but when you all started describing it it was awesome, and I liked, I'm like Dan, I liked the fact that sometimes you talked over and you talked about, oh, the parents are grinning, the parents are crying, they're clutching each other, they're, and it was just, you were just intense, you were as intense as the crowd, because we don't get to see that, obviously, and it was just absolutely awesome, so I don't care if you talk over those other announcers, they aren't talking to us. Bless your heart. That's good to know because it is a very emotional event. And so it's a huge part of it. Like I said, the, the competitors, their families, the exchanges between athletes, those little, you know, those little sideways glances as they're warming up and the little macho, mano-mano stuff that goes on and all of those little subtleties that, and especially, again, being an athlete, you kind of know those are coming and you're looking for them and they never disappoint. I really 
I really enjoyed your talk. But I, I was wondering if I misunderstood something in the beginning when you said, I thought you said, that you don't like to mention the ancestry or nationality or something like that. Did yeah. you say anything like that? I did. And I think that's terrible yeah. if you said it. <laughs> uh, no, we, we only describe race or ethnicity if it plays a part in the event. So, for example, when Marta you know, had been mocked for being a monkey, um, and Brazil has very close ties to Africa, but there's still racism wherever you go, and she suffered dearly. People use that as, as an excuse to say hurtful, awful things, and so her race became part of the story. But we tend not to, we try to focus on the human being, um, and we will mention race if it's if it's part of the story. The other thing, too, is please let me tell you, the world has changed. And when you say someone is from a country, um, you would have no idea looking at that person. It's not traditional anymore. You know, all Japanese competitors are not Asian. You know, all um, Norwegian competitors are not white. Um, the names, the ethnic, you know, we are a mixed up, muddled up world in a, the best of ways. And so more and more, it's actually becoming irrelevant. Um, we're just people. Um, but again, if it's part of the story, we'll mention it. Yeah. Um, Norma Jean, Diane, uh, this is uh, Ray Campbell. And I just want to echo first what everybody else has said. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for uh, describing the Olympics. You know, there's so much that, that you miss with the regular announcers. Um, I just was um, wondering um, what sort of, uh, you know, you talked a little about learning about gymnastics, but did you have to, you know, study the other sports? Did you have to study this, you know, about the athletes? What, what kinds of preparation did you do uh, to learn about the uh, different athletes and, and, uh, and, and, and different things that, uh, that went into that. It was, because you did a really a heck of a job with that. So I'm just curious. And we need somebody from AV at table 36. I think my wife's ALD battery died. Oh, oh no. Is anyone out there? Table yes, 36? Take we'll, we'll take care of it. Um, I am one of those people. I'm a, I'm a stickler for research because I feel like the more I know about something, the more better I understand it. So I particularly tend to take a lot of notes. But Jim and I were chosen specifically, you know, with our sports background because there are lots of amazing um, audio describers. But having an understanding of the culture, the rules, all of that stuff was very helpful. And both Jim and I, over you know, 30, 40 years of experience, have been exposed to pretty much everything. Um, but for me, again, as a sighted person, I took a lot of things for granted. I knew what a balance beam was. But again, making the visual verbal, yeah, but what does it actually look like? How tall is it? How long is it? What is it made of? And again, with the competitors, I would endeavor to find out about the competitors because, again... It size matters, you know. Uh, for example, golf, um, you have, you know, six foot whatever, four, Dustin Johnson, you know, strapping along, lean, competing against someone like five foot seven, 140 pound Justin Thomas, and both of them winning an equal number of tournaments and having an equal num- amount of success. So to me, it's um, there are body types for sports, but also um, there are a lot of people accomplishing things that um, you would think maybe have a bit of a disadvantage. But, um, you know, one thing we can't measure is the human heart. 
And that's a lot about what the Olympics is about, is like people you know, achieving things because of their heart and determination, regardless of the challenges that they've had. Leslie. I'll come and visit that gentleman over there after. No, no, please, Leslie. I'll translate. I'll, I'll, I'll. I just want to say thank you so much because the Olympics meant so much to me. I really got so much out of it. I love the gymnastics. I love the swimming. I really like when you talk, talked about Michael Phelps, either you or your partner talked about Michael Phelps and his This guy? Yeah. Yeah. Leslie was talking about uh, my, my description of Michael Phelps. Here, I'm just going to, I think we have enough. I just enjoy that you were telling about how his, you know, his cap was torn. And I didn't know that before, you know, so you could, you could really, the description was wonderful. So thank you so much. Thank real, you. real quick, this is um, Ellen Nolan from uh, New Mexico. I just wanted to echo the thank you, the big, fat thank you. And not only that, but I do have some sight, but also I wasn't able to read the print that was there. And so thank you for reading what was there, because since, uh, you know, I can see that it's on the screen, but I can't read it. But my question to you is, how did you guys decide which, what, who was going to describe what? We went by segments, so we would switch after commercial breaks. So he would take a block, I would take a block, he would take a block. However, if we started on an event and it continued after the break, the person who started the event would often finish it. Um, so there was a bit of continuity there. Um, because sometimes, too, you know, even as audio describers, we're individuals, and sometimes we have, you know, we'll decide on a, a way to describe something. And it's important to be consistent. You don't want changing versions of what a leaping split is. You know, it's like, you know, she jumps up with her legs, you know, in, you know, parallel to the bar, or she does a leaping, you know, so we try to keep those descriptions consistent. So we try for consistency. Um, I just want to say a lot of these comments are just thank yous. And when Jim and I were uh, in, in, and we were a little bit, you know, we weren't sure if we were doing a good job. We weren't sure if, and uh, one of the um, PR people from NBC brought down a letter. And it started with, thank you, thank you, thank you. I am watching television with tears rolling. I'm going to get, oh, it's, there goes the milk. Um, but it was, it was an appreciative viewer, and it was bittersweet because it was so heartening and touching for us that we were making a difference. But it was heartbreaking in a sense because it was thank you for including us. And the idea that there were people left out for so long was kind of heartbreaking but to be part of moving forward. And I think a lot of people are in this room because you're all interested in pushing the boat forward. So thank you to all of you, and congratulations to all of you, because I think the boat is moving. Thank you. Kim told me to go reach for something, and now I'm reaching for it. There's nothing here. Yes, what are you? Oh, come here. What? Right here. What do you mean up here? Right by hand. There you go. That's
that's not at the bottom. Don't pay any attention to her. Don't pay attention to the woman to my left. Now, how do I do this? Uh, let's see. I hold this up. Who's this? This is for Norma Jean. Oh, right. I'm holding a T-shirt in my hand, which is for Norma Jean. It's an ACB T-shirt, and it says thank you on it. You're not required to wear it right now, but if, if you'd like to and someone could describe the picture, we'd... ACB Sparks, yes? What? Success. ACB Sparks Success, it says. And there's fireworks on it. They're beautiful. I'm looking at them right now. And that's all right. So, Norma Jean, this is for you. Another round of applause. Regine, I really appreciate you describing uh, not only the Olympics, but just taking a few minutes to describe the balance beam and other sports. Maybe you and I should have a conversation. Some of us have been nerds. I mean, frankly, I think even from the womb, uh, some of us have been nerds. Now, I think if I'm not mistaken, football, now that's the sport that's played with the oval ball, right? And I believe, I believe baseball is the one played with the sphere. Is that right? Okay. We'll talk about it some more. All right. Um, we uh, thank you so much. Uh, what a wonderful presentation. And I, um, let's do one more round of applause for both Diane and Norma Jean. I know what the difference is between football and baseball. People are, I'm hearing people in the back, my God, that's pathetic. That is terrible. No wonder he's resolutions chair. <laughs> you know who you are. Find a volunteer and find a door. That's my. Oh, that's right. All right. Shows you what milk will do. Loosens the tongue. Okay. Um, I do want to make one quick serious comment, though, and that is it really struck me, frankly, Norma Jean, as you were describing, talking about the purpose of description, taking a snapshot and somehow finding a way to describe the details, put all, to get all of those details out, the key details, but also to get some color into what you're talking about, and to, yet nevertheless do that in a succinct way that communicates the heart of a matter. I have never heard a better description of what it means to go on Capitol Hill or work with a policymaker. <laughs> and I'm, I'm not kidding. I am not kidding. And uh, so I'm going to take 10 seconds and preach and just to say that uh, next time any of you, and I hope all of you will, whether you're in D.C. or at your state level, when you're going in to talk to somebody about issues, remember that when it comes to policy for people who are blind and visually impaired, you are the audio describer for our issues. You are absolutely the describer for our issues. Every last one of you is an audio describer. Okay, enough preaching. Uh, we need to have Shell Hart come to the stage, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, a big pardon? Yes, yes. We, we, we're, we're going to do some awards. Yes. What? You're supposed to kibitz? Or kvetch? Okay. Kibitz is what, how you pronounce it in the Bay State Council of the Blind. In Hollywood, Florida, we call that kvetching. Or if you're Hillary Clinton, it's kid-vetching. But we're not going there. Uh, uh, Shell Hart, where are you, madam? She's coming. Uh, I, I do also want to say this about awards, and, and this is also a heartfelt comment. 
uh, I used to work for the American Council of the Blind for about 42 minutes or so, I think, back in 1997, 1998. Actually, um, it was a kind of interesting story. It was the uh, director of advocacy services position. There had not been a director of advocacy services position at ACB. They created that position, and, and then uh, yours truly uh, was honored to be asked by ACB. I remember the interview with Oral Miller like it was yesterday. He probably would tell you it's the worst decision of his life that he ever made. <laughs> Sorry about that, Oral. You made good decisions. You know, nobody can have a perfect track record. Right? I mean, if you don't make mistakes, they're not going to think you're human. Okay? Anyway, but it was a pleasure to work there. And then, uh, of course, over time, those positions got merged, which means that folks like Melanie and Eric and Tony are actually doing the work of, well, they do the work of multiple people, but they're doing the, like two jobs for one. Uh, so be, be kind to the ACB National Office staff, because these folks are working their tails on. And any, give them a round of applause. But I simply want to say this. So when I worked at ACB, of course, I was the kid in the office, and I didn't have a family, and we were traveling literally every weekend to a different state chapter, which was great and unbelievably exhausting. So I did that, and then uh, at some point in my career, worked as the executive director for the professional association in our field, and I was sort of in the same position. They were shipping me around to state chapter after state chapter of AER as well, and you know, I'd, I'd get to these banquets, and it would be, you know, ladies and gentlemen, here's Elliot Higginbotham for the f- most beautiful volunteer award. Let's get her on stage. And, oh, wait a minute, Elliot's still in bed. Let's go find Elliot. Anyway, you'd hear these interminable award ceremonies, and I'd get just so exhausted. And I would come back and say, God, if I have to hear, hear one more of those award ceremonies, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I, I, it's, it's, I can't think of anything funny right now. It's so terrorizing. However, an interesting thing happened to me. Um, number one, I grew up a little bit, tiny little bit. Number two, uh, time passed by, and funny thing, um, the people who were getting those awards were becoming people that I started to know personally. And I got to spend a little bit of time, and years would go by, and you get to watch what they do. And maybe you don't even know them personally, but you hear the names, you hear how other people talk about them. And funny thing, the award ceremonies started to turn from these really annoying, god-awful, long presentations into, you know what, I want to be there. I want to cheer these people on. These people are there helping me, and it's my opportunity to give back to them. And you know what? It's your turn tonight to get to play that role. So without further ado, please welcome Shell Hart, co-chair of ACB's Awards Committee. Hello, everyone. I am Shelly Hart. Oh, wait, 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 wait. okay. It's Mark's fault. The the mic's way, way too high for those of us up here presenting the awards. Um, I'd just like to start out by giving a quick shout out without hoping not to embarrass him too much to my husband, Stephen Hart. Today is our 15th wedding anniversary. So 
Thank you all for that. And I would uh, just like to tell you a little bit about the awards committee. I'm co-chair. My co-chair, Chip Haley, was not able to make it, but I guess he'll pay for that next year because they are going to be very busy in Missouri <laughs> next year. So there you go, Chip. <laughs> we miss you, though. Um, the other members on my committee are Jean Mann from New York, Judy Jackson from Virginia, Janet Dickelman from Minnesota, Ann Brash from Illinois, and Peter Altischel from Missouri. So I want to thank all these people for their work on the committee this year. Okay, and I guess I would, I would ask that uh, if Frank Welty is here, that he starts making his way up here. Um, I, I'm, just, I'm going to start out with the Robert S. Bray Award. Let me tell you a little bit about the award first. The Robert S. Bray Award is given in honor of the first director of what is now the National Library for the Blind and Physically Handicapped. This award may be given to an individual or an organization in the area of accessing information. This workplace was nominated in recognition of its work in the design and production of high-quality tactile graphics, such as maps, accessible signage, educational materials, and tactile artwork. The tactile materials produced in this lab incorporate braille, raised line drawings, tactile patterns, large print, color, and even audio into pieces that are valuable to people of varying visual acuities and to Braille and non-Braille readers. And the winner of this year's Robert S. Braille Award is the Jerry Koontz and Teresa Postello Media and Accessible Design Laboratory, also known as Mad Lab. And here to accept for them is Frank Welty. There's a microphone. It's a great pleasure for me to represent my employer. I am an employed as an assistive tech, uh, assistive. I'm having a, a assistive media specialist at the Jerry Coons and Teresa Postello Media and Accessible Laboratory, otherwise known as the Mad Lab, at the at the Lighthouse for the Blind and Visually Impaired in San Francisco, California, and it's an exciting place to work. There's been a belief for a long time that blind people can't deal with tactile graphics. There was actually a study in the 1950s that came up with that, that idea. When people look back at it, they realize the problem wasn't the, what the, wasn't the blind people, it was the really bad tactile graphics they were using in their study. And so if you have been turned off in the past by tactile graphics, I hope you'll reconsider because we're developing tactile graphics with an eye, pardon the pun, towards things that really work for people who are blind or low vision. Like we simplify our graphics. We don't just take a, a sighted person's graphic, throw tactile lines on it and say, here you go. 
Uh, I hope you have uh, really sensitive fingers because it's going to be too busy for you. We are very careful. We give a lot of thought to the quality of the work we do, and others are as well. And I think that we're really in a renaissance of tactile graphics. So if you have a bad idea about what it means to deal with tactile graphics, try it again. I think that the world is changing, and we're excited to be part of it. And if somebody's, somebody's taking a picture, I want somebody to send it to me. Yes. <laughs> they're, they're waiting for you. <laughs> and there's, there's Braille on here. Oh, on the plaque. On the oh, plaque. I'm sorry. Very cool. Let me read what you want me Please to read. Please do, yes. Says? Yes. Okay, just one second here. On the plaque, it says Robert S. Bray Award presented to, sorry, the Jerry Koontz and Teresa Postello Media and Accessible Design Laboratory in recognition of its work in the design and production of high-quality tactile graphics, maps, accessible signage, educational materials, and artwork. July 6, 2017, Sparks, Nevada. I just want to say that... We, we have a, a place in our, in our, we have a wall at the lighthouse, let's see, there it is. We have a wall at the lighthouse where we put up samples of our work in the Mad Lab, and I'm very excited to be adding this item to the wall. Thank you. <laughs> Trying to bring this down a little bit. Oop. All right. Good evening. I'm not Shelley, but here we go. The American Council of the Blind has created the Marjorie Beeman ACB Volunteer Recognition Award to honor individuals to, who have either sighted or who are blind or organizations who have given I'm sorry, I can't read. <laughs> Who have given um, tirelessly of their resources, expertise, or time toward enhancing the quality of life within the blindness community in general or for an ACB local, state, or special interest affiliate. ACB has numerous people who volunteer their time to better our organization. We are blessed with so many deserving volunteers. This nominee is one of those people. She began as volunteer coordinator in 2009. Prior to that convention, each year she spends countless hours soliciting volunteers, meeting the local host committee for their feedback or local groups, and she researches uh, volunteerism in the area. This lady has cultivated a relationship with the Jehovah's Witnesses in Florida. Because of her work with them, we now have numerous local Jehovah's Witnesses volunteers at our national conventions each year. Prior to the convention, she updates a volunteer database and schedules to ensure that we have volunteers 
and as much coverage as is needed. During the convention, she is at the volunteer desk from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., making sure that volunteers are signed in, receive their badges, and training information, which she discusses with each one. She also ensures that every volunteer receives a certificate of appreciation, which she personally completes. Once the desk closes, she is still on call. She always leaves her phone number if volunteers need to reach her. She always has a smile in her voice and is always willing to help. Marjorie G. Beeman Volunteer Service Award is presented to this year's recipient, Sally Benjamin. She's drinking some milk. what to say. I can say one thing. Janet Dickelman, you are a little twit. She, I was I was not going to go to the banquet because I forgot to buy a ticket. And I thought, well, you know, I'll just save this money. And darned if Janet Dickelman didn't give me a ticket. <laughs> so I, I'm kind of overwhelmed. And I've had one glass of wine and that was enough. Um, but I just want to say I thank you. I love all of you. I love the volunteers. I love working with them. Um, I've even, there's one, two volunteers that were here, three this year, who I worked with in 2011. And, um, you know, they come back and they say, oh, I remember you. And um, there's one from Phoenix that we still keep in contact on Facebook. Um, so, you know, you develop relationships, but the reason I do it is so you guys will have an easier time at the convention because I know that it's hard. And I will tell you, I realized today, I'm going to ask, and this is reaching for the moon sort of, but I'm going to ask for 40 volunteers every, every um, shift and see what we get. Um, because I know that I want you to have a great time at the convention. And, Janet, you're in for it. <laughs> I got to say something. Sally. <laughs> this, is, this is Kim, and I have to tell you, I, um, 
was talking to Sally early in the week, and she said, well, I didn't get a ticket to the banquet. And I said, oh, that's too bad. Oh, gosh. And then we went off, and Sally went one way, and I went the other, and I pulled out my cell phone, and I called Janet Dickelman, and I said, Janet! She's not coming to the banquet. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> so, leave it to Janet to solve a problem, right? <laughs> so congratulations, Sally. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, well, just quickly, why well, you have her. I have it. Plaque there. You want to... Yeah. Sorry, Sally, we didn't read your plaque. (laughs) So, this is what it says. If I can get down here to it. This is presented to Sally Benjamin for her tireless efforts to ensure a successful conference and convention for all attendees through her coordination of volunteers before and during ACB Week's activities. This is presented July 6th, 2017 in Sparks, Nevada. Okay, we're, we're, uh, let me find the mic. There we go. We're taking turns up here, so I'm just going to warn you all, get ready to yell. The George Card Award is given in honor of George Card, who was executive director of the Wisconsin Council of the Blind, a member of ACB's board of directors, a delegate to the World Council for um, Welfare of the Blind, and an associate editor of the Braille Forum. It is presented in recognition of outstanding service by a blind person who has contributed uh, to the betterment of the blindness community. All right, here we go with the good part. This person lives a full life of leadership on a local, state, and national level. Her ability to empower others, step out onto scary and unfamiliar paths, and pour into the lives of others is something that every person who knows her recognizes. On a state level, she served as she served as uh, president for four con- non-consecutive terms of the Washington Council of the Blind. During her presidency, she led the advocacy efforts to secure Washington Talking Book and Braille Library services in Seattle. She also, um, sorry, she also participated in the movement um, for uh, keeping the blindness. Uh, department on its own instead of under an umbrella service for social and health services. On a national level, she has served on the Board of Publications, she has chaired the awards committee, and she has been on the auction committee since its inception, bringing to it an energetic and fun voice as an auctioneer. This person's capacity for warmth and empowering others never wanes. She worked as a paraprofessional in the local school district for 21 years, teaching Braille and life skills. Many of her students um, still look to her for advice and encouragement. This individual is a wife, a mother to two daughters, 
and Nana to three grandchildren. She is a positive role model, and she is a mentor to many. And this year's George Card Award goes to Cindy Van Winkle. loved doing the awards and surprising people. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's just really an honor to be recognized and more importantly to know that you impact people's lives. There's nothing better. I mean, what better reason to live, right, than to touch people? And um, so... Anyway, if uh, I'm doing that in any way, shape, or form, then I guess I'm here for a purpose. And uh, anyway, thank you so much, and I look forward to working with all of you. And um, going, going, gone, sold. Okay, and okay, and the plaque says. George Card Award presented to Cindy Van Winkle for her outstanding leadership, service, and contribution to the betterment of the blindness community. Um, presented on July 6, 2017, Sparks, Nevada. Congratulations, Cindy. Thank you, Shelley. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. Okay, Judy, you're up. And I definitely didn't have enough milk for this next one. I'm just going to tell you right straight up. <clears throat> the James R. Olson Distinguished Service Award is given in honor of Jim Olson, ACB's longest-serving ACB member who served as assistant treasurer treasurer and executive director of ACB's enterprises and services. It may be given to individuals or organizations who have made important contributions to advance opportunities for the blindness community. This individual has made it her duty to keep up with mainstream technology for people with visual impairments. She takes advance, excuse me, she takes, she, she doesn't take anything. She teaches advanced technology classes and holds high expectations for her students to become fluent in these technologies. She uses teaching techniques such as blindfolding her students as they utilize the technology as a method to increase understanding and teaching of these skills. This teacher stretches 
the minds of her students through hands-on and mindful experiences. She demonstrates through activities in the classroom the need to adjust one's perceptual perception of pictures and th- the environment by requiring her students to explain these things with non-visual references. After sitting under her tutelage, students understand that this field is more than a paycheck. It is a calling that must be carried out with passion, dignity, and integrity above all. This person is a well-known and respected professional in the field of blindness and low vision. She is a contributing author to the textbook Foundations of Low Vision, a Clinical and Functional Perspective. She provides her expertise as a subject matter expert for the Academy for Certification of Vision Rehabilitation and Education Professionals. She wrote her dissertation on effects of detectable warnings for individuals with mobility impairments and is well-versed in many areas of blindness and visual impairment. For many of her students, she is more than an Academian. She is our Ann Sullivan, and we are her Helen Kellers, the winner of the James R. Olson Distinguished Service Award is presented to none other than my friend and teacher, Dr. Helen Lee. Hello. Um, Wow, I've been busy. (laughs) Um, It would appear. I know. I'm going to borrow that from my eulogy. Uh, I'm not sure you're going to have much to say about that, madam. Okay. Oh, yes, I will say. um, I I would like to thank um, and express gratitude to the ACB and its members for um, awarding me this. Award. I feel very honored, and uh, I'd like to thank Judy Jackson for nominating me. <laughs> I'm always embarrassed when she says that um, she's my Helen Keller. But I and Judy, I don't recall that you were very enthused about my technology class. You're right. <laughs> she, she's very much out of humor. No, actually, I think her most fun moment was in my course where I. Um, expect students to develop their descriptive skills in describing the environment and things like museum painting. So it's uh, very fitting that we had uh, you talk about the, the process. And uh, what I do is I have the students look at well-known paintings. And uh, if you buy Judy an adult beverage, she'll talk about the Victorian porn that we looked at. <laughs> Isn't Victorian porn an oxymoron? <laughs> It is. It is. Um, and then I, I'd also, I'd be remiss if I did not uh, express um, my indebtedness to Paul and Sue Ponchilla. Some of you might remember them yes. when they were active in the field uh, because they really taught me that it really is about the people and not the job. And 
Um, and when I uh, see my students again, when I interact with people at these conferences and through my work, uh, my work really is a labor of love. So thank you all for having me here. All right, Ms. Helen, we're going to read your plaque. <clears throat> the James R. Olson Distinguished Service Award is presented to Dr. Helen Lee for her excellent contribution to advance opportunities for persons who are blind or visually impaired, as well as for those students who are studying and preparing to work in the field of blindness and low vision. It's presented to you this day, July 6, 2017, in Sparks, Nevada. Congratulations, Dr. Lee. Okay, I just one more time want to thank my committee, and I'm not a joke teller, but I do collect little stories and poems, and so if I can remember this one, I'd like to raise it up for you. It's very short. And this is the one that our priest told at home. He and his little dog used to go to the cemetery every day and pray over the departed souls. And one day, he was by a grave of a man who had been kind of the town curmudgeon. No one really liked him too well, but they all tolerated him. And he said a little prayer for him. He looked down. He saw an inscription on the grave that said, Remember, man, as you walk by, as you are now, so once was I. As I am now, you'll someday be, so don't forget to follow me. And then he noticed that underneath it, someone had put a little wooden sign that said, To follow you, I'm not content till I find out just where you went. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Hang on. Yes. Top yes. Okay. Top oh, there's a cane on the podium. Yes, that that's, was mine. That's Thank Judy's. You. It's pink. That's Judy's. Want an arm back? Yes. Okay. I want Shelly? Yep, one second. Okay, we're ready. Oh, I want to say that. Can I say something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here we go. Okay. It's right at the mic. Podium. Okay. Where's the public mic? I can't get it to... Um, hello. <laughs> yes. No, I, um, Mark said, well, what do we do now? Well, <laughs> what do we do now? What is it do you think everyone's been waiting for? All week, the big drawing. Well, I have a little drawing in my purse. No, it's not a picture. I was given the task the, the other day, yesterday, I believe it was, to make sure that Tim Stone got his door prize. And he won $25 in the general session. And he's our Scoopmasters guy. But I haven't, I haven't come across him, so I still have his $25. So if any of you can help him to connect with me so we, I can commit complete my responsibilities. I've had too much milk. I don't know. So, <laughs> oh, he is? Tim. All right. I will give him his door prize, and we all can move on to the big drawing. Mark? Oh, well, since you're at the mic. No, 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 no. Oh, no, 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 no. 
Uh, let's see. Uh, uh, let's see. What happens next? Uh, she did her thing, and then and Shell did a poem about maybe one of us going to heaven or going to the other place. Maybe that's where the temperature thing is for the room tonight. It's a little warm up here. Oh, boy. Welcome to People Cemetery. If you're good, you go to heaven. If you're bad, you go to hello, everybody. It's People Cemetery. There's my poem for the evening. We are going to be... Well, who's doing these prizes, by the way? Who comes up to do these prizes to, to, to actually do it? Dan Spoon, are you doing the uh, award? Are you actually doing the drawing or what? So Dan Spoon and Dan Dillon are coming up, I think, to do the drawing, ladies and gentlemen. And the ticket. You know what? I'm just going to get the heck out of here because clearly they know what they're doing. Let's welcome the people who do know what they're talking about. Ladies and gentlemen, here they come. I have no idea. Somebody, that's an important part. I've been part. turning the box all night long. All right. Okay. She's t- You're almost to the Where's Dan Dillon at? He's coming up. Okay. All right. And Kim says, Tim, please come see her. So, all right. Um, before Dan Dillon kind of gives us a quick update about uh, the success that we had uh, over this convention with RDC, I, I want to... I, I want to share with you, I think, the most important voice vote that we have at this convention. So I need to get, uh, I need to get Kim's attention because she's going to be the decider. So the most important thing we have to decide, and, and it's very crucial and critical. Yes. Do, should we, we're going to draw three prizes, a 5000 a 1000 and a $500 winner. Do we draw... The 5,000 first, then the 1,000, then the 500. Or do we draw the 500, the 1,000, and the 5,000? Madam President, which, which, which side do you think won? 500. 500, 1,000, and 5,000. All right. So we're going to anticipate for just a second why Dan gives a quick. You want to give it or you want me to give it? Well, I'm here. What do you want me to do? All right, you do the drawing. I'll do that. All right, just real quick, just so um, just so everybody, I want to just thank the walk team and the great job that the walk team did. We are right now right at sixty-four thousand dollars. So congratulations to all the walkers out there. That Donna Brown and her team, Kim Abair and her team in the auction, and we heard Cindy Van Winkle and all her great success as an auctioneer. The auction has raised over $16,400. Woo! And our, our Braille Forum raffle tonight, we have raised over $14,000. So thank you all very much. And now I'm going to turn it over to Dan Dillon to draw the winning prizes. Okay. Am I actually going to draw? No, you're not going to draw. You're going to announce on. Okay. Oh, no. Okay. Uh... All right. Are they shook up good? They have been shook up quite a bit. 
Wait, should we ask if anybody wants to buy a ticket? No, no, no. Oh, no. No, no. All right. No peeking. When you draw, when no peeking. peeking. No peeking. Right. Here we go. $500, Dan. Are you ready? Uh, the $500 winner is... All right. Who's the $500 winner, Nancy? Oh. It's not this kettle, kettle drum effect there. Well, the $500 winner is from Washington State, Mika White. Congratulations. Oh, oh, come on, show a little emotion. Come on. Would Mika like to consider a refund? All right, Mika. The $1,000 winner is... She's shaking it up. Shake it up, baby. Barbara Lombardi from Shelton, Connecticut. From Connecticut. From Connecticut. Barbara Lombardi. $1,000. Congratulations. Oh, the big one. Five thousand dollars. Nancy is shaking everything up here. She's going crazy. Well, she's shaking the box, and Nancy's shaking too. Oh, I mean, okay, uh, too personal. I'm sorry. Okay, here's the big five thousand dollar winner. Oh, we got to tell Nancy. He he entered to me like I could see it. I mean, what? Oh God! Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! Wow! What? Oh, what? from Massachusetts. Right? Yes, from Massachusetts. From Massachusetts. Are you ready for this? Vicky, vote. All right, Vicky. All right, Vicky. Uh, thank you all. Uh, just a little side note here. Uh, you know, we in Nashville, Tennessee, we've got a comedy club called Zanies. I'm going to try and get uh, Mark Riker to book him there. What do you think? Yeah. All right. Thank you all. It's now my honor to do the dollar ninety-eight drawing. If if you don't have your name in the box, you get to be the resolutions chair next year. Maybe we should auction off the. No, that's probably not a smart idea. If you if you don't want to be resolutions chair. I'll start the bidding at $500. Going once, going twice. Hold on just a moment. So, ladies and gentlemen, I think uh, this has been a fantastic evening. Wouldn't you agree? Give us Have we had fun at the 2017 convention, ladies and gentlemen? 
Well, I have nothing profound to say other than really I appreciate you all listening all week in all seriousness. Uh, we do a lot of hard work in ACB, and, um, you know, some of it isn't always glamorous, but it is all very, very important. And uh, if a little policy nerd like yours truly could help play a part in that, then uh, my work here is done. So with that, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for letting me be your MC tonight. Good night. Have a pleasant tomorrow, and to close us out is our very own... Oh, for God's sake. Perhaps you should give me a description of the event before... (laughs) I'm out of here. Good night, ladies and gentlemen. All right. I'll do. All right. Remember those door prizes we had. Somebody's cane is here. Oh, I'll hit you over the head with it. Thank you very much. (laughs) Yes. We are picking up a... Okay. All right. Remember those door prizes? We almost forgot them. All right. Where's Barry and our friends, the door prize people? They're getting ready. While they're getting ready, I need to make an announcement that so the um the board of directors there there's going to be photos taken after this event in the uh, area where the ACB information desk used to be, so if you'll make your way there after the banquet, um, we'll take photographs. And And the Board of Publications also. Those are newly elected people to those positions. So, and existing members. Also, at the end of the banquet, um, you can return your ALDs to the head table area and check them in. Are we ready for our door prizes that we almost forgot? that you did such a great job of setting aside for us for this evening. Is there a mic for the door price team? There is. Okay. Are we ready? Okay. Yeah, it's almost on. Okay. There we go. Here we go. Who wants this? Silver dollars. I recognize that sound. Okay. The first prize is the Nevada box with 25 Ixiller dollars in it, shape of Nevada, cobalt blue with the map on it, as you all know by now. And our winner is Casimir Antonio. Are you in the room? Oh, really? Yeah, he's here. All right, did you connect? Do we know where they are? Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. Our second prize is the Utah shirt with that mysterious can inside. And our winner is Joseph Rodriguez. Are you in the room? Joseph Rodriguez, are you in the room? One more time, Joseph Rodriguez. You're out. Allison Smitherman, are you in the room? All right, here you go. Okay, and I'm going to turn it over to Barry. Would you please raise your hand? Allison. Allison. He found her. He found her. Oh, she's on the far side here. <laughs> Two more. Okay, you got. Oh, sorry, you guys. I don't have to kiss it. The first, I mean, the next door prize is 
from the D.C. Chapter Council. And it's a, a CD book. I don't have the title. James Marciano. James Marciano. No, I don't think so. The name of the book is... The name of the book is Known Known to Evil by Walter Mosley. Okay. The next name is James Baba Femi. Baba Femi. No, I don't think so. Jenny Lay Flurry. Oh, she left. <laughs> She's what? not here. She's from Microsoft. She talked to us this morning. And we have to remember that it wouldn't be appropriate to send it to her. Right. Because she's deaf. This is an audio book. So. She's deaf. Oh. <laughs> okay. we, we have to be sensitive to these things, you know. <laughs> I bet this person is in the room. John McCann. Aha. The next prize is earbuds. Is he here? Yes. I know he is. In the back. He's standing. they got to find him. Maybe the middle. Okay. Are we ready now? Okay. Go ahead. Okay. The next and last door prize is earbuds from Bookshare. Ooh. Earbuds from Bookshare. Donald Coors. Don Coors. He, I'm sure he's here. I want to say thank you to our door prize team, You're the welcome. Nevada Council of the Blind, for all their hard work. All of you for coming to the convention, to this banquet. And without further ado, safe travels home. And we now close the 2017 convention of the American Council of the Blind. Good night and safe travels.